0: Thank you for choosing Minitrista Baptist Church podcast. We hope you benefit from this message. If you'd like to learn more about Minitrista Baptist Church, please visit our website at minitristachurch.org. So we are in the book of Mark, I think you're familiar with that. We've been there quite a I was writing our annual report and uh, we, we began in Mark uh, back in January of 2020. And in January of 2021, we are still in the book of Mark. There's 16 chapters, and we are going to slowly get through this. Our sermon title is uh, BOGO, Buy One, Get One. Uh, so when COVID was causing us not to really get out much, my wife and I on Wednesdays, because we didn't have church, We got a Perkins uh, uh, buy one, get one um, coupon. And so we uh, would go to Perkins and we could not eat inside, but we would get it to order. And so my thought is, let's, you know, since we got buy one, get one, let's find the best meal that Perkins has. And you're probably saying, wait a minute, does Perkins have any good meals? Of course they do! So we would get the salmon dinner at Perkins. And so then we'd buy one, get one. And so by the time we got out of there with tip and everything, it was under twenty-five dollars. So it was not a not a bad little deal. Uh and one time we were eating in the car by a golf course, and we called our son and said, Guess what we're eating? And he and and he said, What? And we said, Salmon. And he said, well, where'd you get it? And and we said Perkins. And he said, is it fresh? And I said, I'm pretty sure it's not, but it's buy one, get one free. And so we enjoyed that for a number of, and anytime we have a Wednesday night off, we'll take our buy one, get one free and go to Perkins and get salmon dinner. Well, our messages is uh, this morning, is two messages basically for the price of one. And so if you have your bulletin, we're going to take a look at these two messages. And uh, on the back side there, it says this at the top. It's Wednesday morning. Remember, we're going through the Passion Week here. It's Wednesday morning of the, past, uh, of the Passover week. And Jesus is now on his way back to the temple, where the day before, and it would be last week for us, he drove out the money changers. In our text today, Jesus is confronted by the Sanhedrin. And we're going to say the Sanhedrin because you are going to see that uh, he is uh, uh, questioned by the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders. And together, those three groups make the Sanhedrin. So Jesus is confronted by the Sanhedrin, and with his departure ever nearing, he affirms the importance of prayer. It's It's a buy one, get one, free message. And so, take your Bible and turn to... Mark chapter 11 and we're going to look at this uh, we're going to look at these two uh, uh, passages backwards so I want to start us with Mark chapter 11 verse 27 okay and this is what it says they arrived again in Jerusalem and while Jesus was walking in the temple courts the chief priests the teachers of the law and the elders came to him that's the Sanhedrin those three groups of people By what authority are you doing these things? Basically, they're saying, Hey, yesterday when you were here, who gives you the right to do these things? And who gave you the authority to do this, he says, they say. And Jesus replied, I will ask you one question. Answer me, and I will tell you by what authority I am doing these things. John's baptism, he said. Was it from heaven? Or from men? Tell me! Well, they got a meeting together and they discussed it among themselves and said, if we say from heaven, he will ask, then why didn't you believe him? But if we say from men, and we're going to look at a passage in Luke, they feared the people for everyone held that John really was a prophet. So they did something that's really hard for smart people to do. They answered Jesus we don't know. And Jesus says, neither will I tell you by what authority I am doing these things. So that's the first message we're going to look at. And then the next message, if you go up to verse 20, you will remember from last week, in the morning as they went along, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots. Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you, cr- you cursed has withered. And then verse 22, seems an odd transition, but we'll get into it. Have faith in God, Jesus answered. I tell you the truth, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself in the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done for him. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive him, so that your Father in heaven may forgive your sins also. So that is the reading of God's Word, and we're going to start off with the second part there. And in your notes it talks about, and if I, if I had a sermon title, it would be the authority of Jesus questioned. And we've already kind of answered this, but why was he questioned? Well, he made a giant mess of the temple the day before. So when he comes back, they, in essence, ask him, Who do you think you are? I mean, man, you made a a ruckus out of our temple. Who do you think you are? And so we're starting with what is called the confrontation. If you're taking notes, the confrontation. Basically, they're saying to him, Who gave you authority to do this. Now if Jesus were to answer that question, it really is an easy question to answer. He would say, myself. I give myself authority to do this. No one who ever walked the planet has ever had more authority than Jesus Christ. He had and has ultimate authority. And by authority we mean freedom to act. God can do anything he wants. He has the authority. He has the freedom to act. And I said in my prayer, Matthew 28, 19, and 20, all authority, Jesus says this before he ascends into heaven, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And then he says, therefore, I tell you to go into all the world and share the good news. But Jesus doesn't answer their question because he's too smart for that. So he answers their question with another question. And really that was a common way that the rabbis would teach their disciples in that day. So he he asks them the question, and that's point number two. So the question that Jesus asked the Sanhedrin is about John the Baptist, who by now, as you know, is beheaded. He's he's no longer living. And so uh, Jesus says, was the baptism of John from God or from men? So that's the question he asks the Sanhedrin. Now if you remember we talked about John probably way back in 2021 sometime or 2020 sometime but John was in the wilderness preaching repentance and the reason he was preaching repentance is it was a way to prepare for the coming Messiah and remember when John is preaching repentance and baptizing getting the people ready for the coming Messiah remember What uh, John says, behold, as he sees Jesus walking, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And so as we have shared and as scripture shares, the question puts the Sanhedrin on the hot seat. If they say God, if they say John came from God... Then they'd have to admit Jesus was the Messiah because that's what John said. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. But if they say, well, no, he, he came from men, well then the people would go crazy because they believed John was a real prophet from God. John and Jesus are a package deal. Buy one, get one. If you, if you buy John, you got to buy Jesus. And if you buy Jesus, you got to buy John. You can't take John without Jesus. And you can't throw away Jesus without throwing away John. So Jesus says, I, I love this, he says, tell me. Tell me. Tell me. Was it from heaven or from men? Tell me. So, they do what Baptists do, and they had a meeting. (laughs) I've talked to people who are are relatively new to our church, and they say, Man, we got a lot of meetings. And, uh, yeah, we do. It's just kind of the Baptist thing. So, they got together, and they had a meeting. They discussed it, it says, among themselves, and said, and here's their predicament, If we say from heaven, then Jesus will ask, Well, why didn't you believe me? But if we say from men, well, they fear the people. And in fact, in Luke chapter 20, the parallel story, Luke chapter 20, verse 6, uh, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the teachers of the law, the Sanhedrin said, if we say from men, all the people will stone us to death. Okay, so that, that that's the predicament they're in. So they've got this predicament, and so... Their response is point number three. The response, and as I shared, they are reduced to the worst possible outcome for smart people. And uh, they have to say, we don't know. We don't know. Well, they're the religious leaders. They're supposed to know. They're supposed to know where John came from. So, what is unfortunate about this story is that Jesus says, then neither will I tell you by what authority I am doing these things. Pretty much at this point, Jesus cuts off most communication with the Sanhedrin. And the point being, I think, for at least the end of this first sermon, is don't ever get to the point in your life where Jesus says, I'm done. I'm done. Don't get too comfortable rejecting the call of Jesus. Don't get too comfortable rejecting the call of Jesus. I think it's a very tragic day for the religious leaders. Basically, Jesus says, I'm done. I'm done. A few more times in Mark, you'll see that the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the teachers, the rulers of the law, the elders are still trying to get in there and uh, stump Jesus with their questions. But for the most part, this is the last time where Jesus you know, basically has a whole lot of spiritual words with the people. so, that's sermon number one. And you're saying, well, let's just, let's just close in prayer. This perfect. No way, man! You can buy one, get one free! You should be cheering right now. You should be cheering. You, get, you buy one, get one free! Yeah. Yay! <laughs> okay, there you go. So if I was to title of the second message, it would be The Urgency of a Prayer of Faith. So, we'll we'll jump back up to verse 20, and you will remember last week, Jesus is going to the temple to wreck havoc, and on the way he's hungry, it says, and so on the way he sees a fig tree in leaf. And a fig tree in leaf must mean that there's some little figs on it because a fig tree grows little figs and then they get a leaf. And so Jesus is expecting, even though it's not ripe fruit, at least it's something because he's hungry, he's expecting when he sees the fig tree in leaf to find some little figs. And the only problem was he got there and it didn't have any figs. And so the whole point of last week's message was... You got to be careful because the appearance of fruit is not good enough. If you just got if you're a leafy Christian, we talked about this. If you're a leafy Christian, well, that's not good enough. You need to have some fruit, and the Bible talks a lot about that. And so Jesus, in essence, in illustration, curses the fig tree because what he's doing now is he's thinking of the religious leaders who have no fruit, and in a minute he's going to go to the temple and do in reality what he did in illustration in, with the fig tree. So as they are now the next morning, Wednesday morning, heading back to the temple, it says uh, that Peter notices that, uh, he says, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered. And so then Jesus says something that, uh, again, really kind of doesn't make much sense here. It seems to be a strange transition, but in the next few verses here, Jesus gives a critical lesson on prayer to his disciples. And the reason it's critical is for three years about, the disciples were basically provided everything they needed by Jesus. I mean, everything they needed, food, lodging, clothes. Everything they needed was provided by, by Jesus. And so probably their prayer life was somewhat diminished because they really had no need. Probably the presence of Jesus diminished their prayer life. And I think you can maybe see that when a few days later Jesus asks them to pray in the garden, Remember? He said, my soul needs some help. Please pray for me. What did they do? They fell asleep. But Jesus knows that He is going to leave them soon. Well, from this point, probably only maybe four or five weeks. Jesus is going to leave them soon and the only way for them to achieve God's power after Jesus leaves is through prayer. And so, our second message, the first point is this, the challenge, the challenge. They just see an amazing thing that Jesus does with a fig tree, and so, it seems like a strange transition, but if we follow along it won't be. Have faith in God, that's the challenge, have faith in God. The disciples just witnessed the withering of the fig tree as a display of God's power and judgment, So basically, Jesus is saying, after I leave you, remember to have faith in God. I'm going to leave you. Remember, have faith in God. The power you need comes from God. And you're going to need it, by the way. you know He doesn't say that, but but he's going to say, "You're, you're going to need it. When I leave, you're going to need it. You're going to need it. The power you need comes from God. And it's achieved through prayer. And I think it's fun as you study the life of Jesus and then take a look at the book of Acts. Because the book of Acts is our history book of the church. And you see what Jesus is teaching these people come to fruition in the book of Acts. And so I want you to take your Bible and turn to Acts chapter 3. I got this about six weeks after Jesus curses the fig tree The disciples have to act on this power. And so Acts chapter 3, and of course Mary, you get a children's song out of what we're going to be talking about right here. Mary and I remember our children's Sunday school class because we both became Christ followers when we were 8 years old. Both Mary and I, and so we remember a lot a lot of the same Sunday school songs together. But I think that the disciples are remembering what Jesus said concerning prayer, and their power is going to come from God as they have faith in him. I love this story. One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, and so, as did John, and they said, Look at us! So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, Silver or gold, I do not have. But what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk taking him by the hand he helped him up and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong he jumped to his feet and began to walk then he went with them into the temple courts walking and jumping and praising God, that's the song walking and jumping and praising God in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth rise up and walk is that, you, you know that song don't you no is, yeah. Yes, of course you do. Mary, you know that one? Oh, ho, ho, a little bit. All right. I know silver or gold, though. Yes, yeah, silver or gold, have I none? Okay, all right. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit belonging, uh, begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Peter and John, six weeks after Jesus gives them this instruction and challenges them to have faith in God, they're going into the temple 3 o'clock in the afternoon. This guy's been sitting there year after year, day after day, and he wants them to give him some money, and they say, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. He went walking and leaping and praising God, walking and leaping and praising God. Come on, man, you don't know this song? Aye, aye, aye. All right. Point number two, the promise. Point number two, the promise. I tell you the truth, if anyone says to this mountain, "Go uh, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in his heart but believes that what he says will happen it will be done for him therefore i tell you whatever you ask for in prayer believe that you have received it and it will be yours <laughs> that's a big okay it's a big statement there the promise is believe the promise is believe and jesus illustrates this with an analogy and really this is a figure of speech a lot of people say, you know, I prayed for that mountain to be thrown into the sea and it didn't happen. This is, this is a figure of speech. This is a figure of speech. It's not a literal fulfillment. Jesus never threw mountains into the sea when he was alive, and so this is not going to happen. It's a figure of speech, and basically it's a figure of speech that you've heard before. If you believe, man, you can move mountains. You can, if you believe, you can move mountains. In other words, your prayer is powerful if you believe and then it goes on and says don't doubt because when you doubt basically you've lost your faith when you, when you doubt you've lost your faith and because we start off with a challenge have faith in god your faith should make you believe and i remember peter walked on the water and jesus said to him after he was done oh you have little faith and so even a little faith even a little faith can help you walk on water but here's the catch here's the catch to go along with whatever you ask. I and mean, there's a lot of Bible passages in the Bible that say, you know, whatever you ask, whatever you ask in my name, I will give to you. And so a lot of times we say, well, you know what, Lord, I should have won that darn lottery. I asked. And I found out that somebody where in Maryland won and Iowa won and it wasn't me. I asked. I even believed in my heart that I would win it. I didn't. So, the Bible's not true. Well, there are some qualifications that go along with the whatever you ask. And you know what they are. You know what they are. James 4.3 I'll read it for you. James 4.3 When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. (laughs) That's why we don't... That's why I hate to say it, but that's why you're not going to win the lottery more than likely. Because even though you say, if I won the lottery, man, I would give so much of it away, well, the Lord the Lord knows your heart. The Lord knows your heart. The other verse to think about is Mark chapter 14 and verse 36. Jesus is in the garden, and it says in verse 35, going a little farther, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. So Jesus in the garden is saying, man, if there's any other way, if there's any other way, and this is Jesus praying that, if there's any other way. And He even says, Abba, Father, everything is possible for You. Take this cup from Me. I mean, you can only see and hear His heart there. Take that. I don't want to. He knows what's going to happen in the next day. But then he says this, yet not what I will, but what you will. See, that's that. So, you know, pray believing, yes, but I think it would be good for all of us at the end of the prayer, and we often do this. Lord, this is what I want. This is what I desire. This is how I wish you could make me whole. This is how I wish you could take care of me, but not my will. But thine be done. But yours be done. The Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. That's what we need to pray. I read this this past week. The Lord understands our cries. He understands the cry for healing. He understands the cry for a better marriage. He understands the cry of the heart of God over the children that grieve you and just torture you with their disaffection and their rebellion. He understands that. He understands the struggles with money and finances. And he understands all that. He understands all that. And he holds you in his heart. And he will never forsake you. And he will never withhold any good thing from you. And all things will work together for your good if you faithfully ask. And then this is the way it concluded. But at the end, you can pour out your heart to Him. You can storm heaven, but always with this qualifying statement. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And why? His is greater, pure, wiser, more generous, more gracious, more merciful than anything you could ever, ever imagine. It's a good reminder. Sometimes the Lord doesn't give us what we ask for because He sees the bigger picture and He knows that whatever we're asking would probably not be very good for us. And so, he sees the bigger picture there, and I, I, I like that, I like that. And so, you got to kind of preface this with the qualifications of other spots we see in Scripture. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, and then you can say, believing, that you have what you ask for, and it will be yours. Nevertheless, Not my will, but thine be done. And then we're going to conclude our buy one, get one with the practical. And just a note, depending on what Bible you have, if you look at verse 25, in my NIV Bible it says, And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against one another, or against anyone, forgive him so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. And then if you look at the next verse, it's verse 27 you say, wait a second, where where'd verse 26 go? Well, if you go down to the bottom of your Bible, depending on the kind you have, maybe your Bible has verse 26 in it, but there are some passages that are not found in earlier manuscripts. And so I don't know that I'm going to get into all the detail about that, but this passage was not found in earlier manuscripts Verse 26, but they they put it down at the bottom of your Bible. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father who is in heaven forgive your sins. Very biblical. I mean, a lot of verses that talk about that. But in the book of Mark, that was not found in earlier manuscripts, so it's not included as verse 26. And so if you notice that, it went from verse 25 to 27. But 26 is down there, in case you like it. All right? So Jesus gives the practical side of prayer and the practical side of prayer is forgiveness. Forgiveness opens the door to the prayer room of God. If you're not you know ask if you're not getting what you're asking, you maybe have to take a peek at your heart. Am I am I hard, harboring any bitterness, any unforgiveness? And if you are, then according to this verse, you need to get rid of that and basically you have a choice and here's your choice. You can hold a grudge or have your prayers answered.? <laughs> All right? that, I mean, that, that's your choice. You can hold a grudge or have your prayers answered. Psalm 66:18, "If I have sin in my heart, the Lord will not listen. If I have sin in my heart, the Lord will not listen. And of course, unforgiveness is a sin. And so the Lord says, "Hey, you want to have answered prayer? Then you've got to get rid of that unforgiveness in your heart. And of course, our model for that is uh, Jesus in Ephesians chapter four, verse thirty-two. Ephesians four thirty-two be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. So at the bottom of your bulletin, the early church got the message. The early church got the message on prayer. Again, if you go back to the book of Acts and just look at chapter 1, it's amazing what they do. Acts chapter 1, Jesus ascends into heaven and they watch it. And you look at verse 12 after that happened. Then they return to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of of olives a Sabbath day's walk from the city when they arrived they went upstairs to the room where they were staying those present were Peter John James and Andrew Philip and Thomas Bartholomew and Matthew James son of Alphaeus and Simon the Zealot and Judas son of James and look at this they all joined together constantly in prayer Along with the women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. So the disciples knew that Jesus was going to be leaving soon, and after they saw the power in the fig tree, Jesus gave them a lesson on prayer and says, Hey, I'm going to be leaving pretty soon. And the disciples must have listened, because right after Jesus ascended, immediately they go to the upper room and begin to pray. The early church got the message after the resurrection. Jesus, who gave all, of, who had all authority, ascended, and the disciples immediately—there's an urgency there—began to pray. And the rest, his history, faith in action, faith in action, the power of God who withered the fig tree came down from heaven, and the ordinary church. There you go. That's our theme. And that was the early church. It was an ordinary church. The ordinary church received the extraordinary blessings of God. And so to close our service, two questions. How is your prayer life? And if you're like most of us, you could say, you know what? It could be better. It could be better. I'm doing okay, but it could be better. Well, the next question is, how can you improve it? Well, one thing you can do from our lesson today is if you've got any bitterness or a grudge, if you're having a hard time with forgiveness, maybe deal with that. Some other things, maybe schedule a time. You know, we schedule times for everything, haircuts and doctor's appointments, etc., cetera, et cetera. Schedule a time on your calendar where you're going to spend some time in prayer. I know this has been uh, helpful for me occasionally. Write out your prayers. You know, sometimes when you're praying, your, your mind wanders. But when you start writing out your prayer, you can kind of stay on focus. I know some of you do this. Keep track of your prayer requests. Maybe find an accountability partner. Maybe, maybe you can say to somebody, you know what, I'm struggling with prayer. Maybe you and I, can, can, can you check in on me weekly and just see how I'm doing? And then maybe conclude your prayer like we talked about this morning. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. So that's your that's your B-O-G-O. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Lord, two messages. One is about the authority of Jesus Christ, who has all the authority in heaven and on earth. And the other one is just practically about prayer. And all we know is Jesus not being with us. All we know is is communicating to Him through prayer. But the disciples didn't. They had Jesus right there with them. So they had to learn the importance of prayer. And they did immediately. After You ascended, they went into the upper room and they began to pray. And then the Bible says the next day the Holy Spirit came and the church was formed and the rest is history. So Lord, I pray that we would be challenged by these two messages today that we would understand that we ought not to get comfortable when the Lord is calling our name and saying no and we ought to spend some quality time every day in prayer and it's in Jesus name we pray Amen Thank you for listening to our podcast Minnetrista Baptist Church is a community of Christ followers who value preaching and teaching scripture, biblical obedience, community, prayer, and evangelism. If you'd like to learn more about Minnetrista Baptist Church, please visit our website at minnetristachurch.org and come by for a Sunday morning service. We'd love to meet you.